0: Uh, Psalm seventy-five. God abases the proud, but exalts the righteous. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks, for your name is near. Man declare your wondrous works. When I select an appointed time, it is I who judge the equity. The faith, sorry, the earth. And all who dwell in it melt. It is I who have firmly set its pillars.
1: We are most thankful to God for the men and women of this congregation. The men and their courage and their eagerness to participate in the task. And the women and the offices they are given. That is a warm and comforting Emotion and reality of the East Coast church that belongs to Christ. I am most thankful for all of you. You have uh, certainly brought us great joy. And together in Christ, um, we will grow and continue in this journey. And um, I think it is wise at times that we uh, speak these words of encouragement. And that we cultivate them. And we grow in our knowledge together and in the task as we independently, spiritually strive because of his grace and his mercy. But also because we are fruitful numerically and we have friends and visitors who continue to study with us and we love them and we pray for them fervently. And God is opening up a great many doors in this community For souls who are awakening and seeking to hear the truth, of course, capturing them away, calling them out of the ocean of error that is so commonly found out there in the world. I was uh, viewing a brief documentary yesterday with mom and dad, but I had viewed it a few days prior, I believe, a day prior, and it just came out. You can YouTube this small documentary. It's about 18 or 19 minutes long, and it has to do with an American individual who was a fighter, and he wasn't, of course, in profession a fighter, training to be a fighter, but became one out of an opportunity in the community uh, to 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 that end. And he participated and found out that he had a powerful punch. And so he uh, grew in that department of sport, which is to fight. And uh, it goes through his story, of course, and I'm not going to retell it uh, per se. But he went through this process in which his body, because of the destruction of being in the ring and fighting, finally took its toll and he lost the ability of his hips and his back began to crumble and his mind entered into a depression and a lack of worth and found himself of course despaired for many many years becoming overweight and uh, uh, um how should i say um snared and shackled to a wheelchair or a, a, a the bed and uh, you could tell that he had lost all hope in life and he even said so he said you know i, I I lost my hope in life. I had nothing to live for. And the only thing he thought would have released him is to finally uh, depart this earth and uh, be done with it. And lo and behold, some close friends of his continued in perseverance to offer him an opportunity to get himself out of that mind and seek to work on his body which was uh greatly crippled by this time and is and if you see this uh documentary to which of course if you come see me afterwards i'll I'll tell you what it is you could see that he could barely walk he was so bad badly shaped and uh they kept they kept telling him you know just just there's a way that might help you and we have friends who are beginning this this kind of uh, uh, sessions with uh, uh, only a few, uh, five individuals who would be uh, 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 capable of being part of this this uh, effort to to make you well? And he accepted, and he would be willing to do whatever it takes. At this point, it took five years, of course, of persuading him. Five years. Don't give up on someone sometimes, right? It took five years of. Offering the opportunity. You don't need to live life the way you're living it currently. In despair and depression. In unhealthy condition. Awaiting death. You don't need to conclude your life in this chapter. You can come out. Well, five years after it finally clicked and said, you know what? I I want to try this. I will do this. And of course, when he walks into this quote-unquote clinic of sorts where he's going to begin his journey to... Uh, Uh, construct his body again. I mean, even the individuals were like, oh, wow. Like, (laughs) we're not miracle workers here. You know, We, we are submissive to the natural realm. I mean, how are we going to fix this individual? I mean, that's a pretty bad case was the idea. And of course, one of them had the hope in his heart and said, yeah, but just imagine if we can help him. Look at what that'll do. Look at what that'll tell the world. That you can change, even if you're in your 40s your 50s your 60s your 70s, you can change. And so, of course, he goes through the process and he is rehabilitated. And with the time, dedication, the effort, the commitment, the hard work, the good friends not by him, he can walk, he can run, he can jog. And guess what? He still has one more fight in him now. That's just a quite an extraordinary journey and if you view this short 18 minute documentary I'm certain you'll feel the same way like wow what a process what a change and there are many videos like that out there from individuals who uh, are losing weight or uh, are dealing with various traumas in their life and changing sure of course but here's the thing it was wonderful And a beautiful journey in this man's life where he once again, teary-eyed, found the reason to live. There's a reason now to live. But what use is it if ultimately (coughs) there is no spiritual health involved? It is a good thing that this man chose to do what he has done. And it's a good thing that his friends were there for him to help him. But ultimately, what is the priority of our life? It should be spiritual. To be rehabilitated physically and to find that hope in life in another new chapter void of eternal life is such a, a vain travesty. It's so sad. Yet we, of course, focus on the principle and what is good that has happened. And we should. We should be, of course, happy for our fellow neighbors who go through that process. But we should be there to extend the priority as well. So now that you've taken care of yourself physically, may I offer you the priority, which is spiritual well-being. And that is indeed the most pressing point as Paul would speak to the Corinthians as of priority. The first thing should be your spiritual well-being. If you are spiritually well, then you will become a good steward of all things physical and take care of what needs to be taken care of. But sometimes, you know, we fall short because we become discouraged. Things happen to us like this fighter Life happened. He wasn't going to be young and fit all the time. And things began to break down in his body, which led to losing fights, which led him to being bound to a wheelchair and depressed. But hope was not lost. And hope is not lost for all who see Christ. Christ. To that, we find ourselves continuing our sermon sessions in the Gospel of Luke. And we begin chapter 5. And our portion of scripture this hour is from verses 1 through verse 11 of Luke chapter 5. In previous chapters or previous chapter context, Christ is practicing miraculous occurrence. He is healing the sick, making whole the lame. He is casting out demons. He can raise the dead. He has insight, authority, and power in which no man had seen for centuries walking among them here in the first century literature. And from there, it moves forward to chapter 5, with this understanding of how many must have sought to see him and hear him, his fame growing. Verse 1, chapter 5. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he the Christ, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. So you have a crowd of people who are pressing around him in order to listen to the word of God. And he, the Christ, of course, is standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And in verse 2, Jesus, he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. We pause, we think, we meditate. We recognize the ability our master had to discern a situation for the greater good of his kingdom. In turn, do we follow the example of our king in recognizing an opportunity to be utilized, to proclaim, to speak, to practice a deed which would lead someone, co-worker, neighbor, friend, family, a seed of curiosity to seek the kingdom and the king who reigns therein. Christ saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake and says, Oh, there, the people are pressing around me. They seek to listen to the word I I speak, the word of God. But there are so many of them pressing inward. So the mind of God, of course, recognizes the expediency of acoustics. He created all things good and understands them very well. And so the fishermen, of course, had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. Things are coming to its conclusion for these fishermen. And he, Jesus, in verse 3, got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Remember who Simon is. Simon is Peter. Peter, of course, was found in the immediate context of chapter 4, verses 38 through 44, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, And I may be mistaken, or was I not? While the sun was setting, all those who had many. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Verse 38 in chapter four. Jesus had gotten up and left the synagogue and he entered Simon's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked him to help her. And of course, standing over her, Jesus rebukes the fever and it leaves her. And she immediately got up and waited on them. So we have a A brief few verses there in chapter 4 in immediate context regarding Simon. And here now Simon is the boat in which the conversation moves forward. So he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked Simon to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. Why? Because the acoustic of the situation activates a microphone of sorts in their century, in their era, in their age. Being out on the boat with the crowds there spoke and the wave of the voice, the spirit of the word could make it further. If we were a congregation of 800 people, I might have a small microphone on so that everyone can hear. That's interesting to me. That Christ would see that and utilize it for the purpose of the word traveling further. We have microphones. We have computers now. We have all sorts of things to help the people way in the back out in this community hear the words of this book. A food for thought. A permission for the expediency. And so... He's teaching the people from the boat. And let us, of course, remember these key locations in these verses. Number one, the people were listening to the word of God. Number two, Jesus is teaching the people the word of God. And now in verse four, Jesus had finished speaking. And he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. A carpenter, the son of a carpenter from Nazareth of all places, has anything good come out of Nazareth, is telling a seasoned fisherman how to do his job. Fishermen hold great pride in their work. They know what they're doing. They've been doing it for a while. Simon has his own boat. But you see, Simon's mother-in-law was made well. And there's a personal connection with Peter and the Christ, is there not? There's purpose in everything the Christ does done and i assure you every single word in the recorded book of liberty we read this morning has purpose as well so when he had finished speaking he said to simon hey listen put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch sometimes we must go a bit deeper don't we of course now simon answered and said in verse five master We worked hard all night and caught nothing. (laughs) We've been working. We know what working's all about. We are seasoned fishermen. We know what to do to get the fish. They just ain't there. But I will do as you say, And let down the nets. Once people know how much we care, they tend to listen a bit further, don't they? Jesus cared. Jesus healed his mother-in-law. Jesus has compassion. Peter gives him this moment and says, Well, I will do as you say. Are we willing to say the same thing to Christ? well, Jesus, I've been doing everything you've been, I I mean, I've done it all. I've been working and nothing seems to be catching anyone here. Jesus says, well, maybe you need to go a bit deeper. Maybe you need to do it a bit differently. And may I insert, maybe you need me in the boat with you. Because if I ain't in the boat with you, you ain't going to be fruitful in catching any fish. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night. (coughs) Ultimately, he could have said, we've been working hard for 40 years. How many years have we spent in vanity and pride, caring not that our Lord had been crucified? We were working. We believed it, didn't we? But were any fruits being produced? Were any fishes being caught? No, why? Because Jesus wasn't in the boat and we weren't doing things his way. But I was a believer. I was a believer. I was working. Yeah, but you weren't producing anything, were you? Peter had to humble his heart for this moment. People around. You know how that is. Folks is looking about. What's Peter going to say? Peter was a tough guy. He's a fisherman. He's abrupt. Is he going to listen to this man from Nazareth? Well, he does, of course. He does. He's wise enough to see it this way. And he moves forward and says, But I will do as you say and let down the nets. I don't understand. We've been working. We ain't been catching nothing. I know what I'm doing. I am a fisherman after all, but okay, we will do it your way. So, in verse 7, they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. So, there is a communication had among the fishermen which is uh, uh, necessary. And the partners in this work choose to labor together. Much can be done with a congregation that works together, united in mind and in judgment. And I find it interesting, and I know we can all reason to this to this fact of reality, if the partners would have come but not helped, would that have produced anything? Recognize how it says they signal to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help. If you only come but you don't help, are we going to be fruitful? Number one, Jesus' way is the right way. Our way don't work. His way works. Number two, Jesus must be in the boat. This is his church. He has to be the head of his body. Number three, the members, you and I, We must not only come, but we must help. We must not only be present in body, physically and spiritually, but active in our faith. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Whoever comes and helps will produce a catch of many fish. Can you catch fish if you don't help? No. Can you be saved without? No. So they came, it says, in verse 7, and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Doing it God's way. Doing it God's way. And putting faith into practice, it's more than a mental assent. Yeah, I believe Jesus can do all things and I believe in him to be the son of God. Yeah, it's there. It's right there. But it never produces any outward action, principle, practice of trust. Well, I'm here, aren't I? Yeah, but we need your help. There is an action to be done here. There's something we must do. And so they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter in verse 8 saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet. And he says to Jesus, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Do you think Peter was pierced with a strong challenge, humbled in reverent bowing to the power that was before him, the love and the compassion, the Messiah? I find it interesting. Jesus, in verse 2, saw two boats. Christ has the ability to discern the opportunity for the greater good of the kingdom, Peter, in verse 8, saw what had taken place and he could discern the opportunity to repent, to change, to humble himself to God. In such a way, he finds himself unworthy. I'm not like you. You are a good man and you do good things. And you come from the Most High. You are God on earth. I'm a fisherman. (laughs) I'm rough and tough and rough around the edges for sure. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For amazement, verse 9 amazement had seized Peter and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. It is supernatural. It is outside the realm of nature. It shows the source power to the sign in which we must pay attention to, the Word of God. And of course, Jesus is utilizing this in a masterful way to teach them, to teach them something. You have made a career out of fishing and you know your boat. You are well-seasoned. But ultimately, though perhaps a new breath of life for you in this career to be a fisherman, ultimately, what use is it if you are to depart this earth without following the Christ, without having eternal life? You may physically find yourself in well-being, capable with your body and hands to take out from that water nets filled with fish and sell them and make a living and eat and be nourished. And you are respected in this community as a fisherman. But what use is it ultimately if you must depart without eternal life, without knowing the purpose that Christ is calling you for. We can all have wonderful careers. All of us must be employed. We must put our uh, stewardship uh, to good uh, use for Christ. That is the purpose. But what use would it be if we conquer the world and become some of the most wealthiest individuals walking this earth? only to one day depart void of Christ the individual in the documentary i spoke of as we began this session he certainly had attained a new chapter in his life and i was most i was most pleased for him i was joyful for the man i was like well I, that's that's a decent path now. I'm so happy he changed and and did that. But yet that looming thought of reality became clear as well, saying, well, now he's just going to be healthier as he departs this earth for eternal consequence. Hey, Peter, you can fish and you're very good at it. But what use is it if it's not for Christ? If Christ is not in the boat, if it's not to follow the words of of God. So Peter was in amazement, and they were filled with amazement, he and his companions, because of the catch of fish which they had taken. Sometimes such a momentous, memorable occasion, an experience, it stamps itself right there, doesn't it? And so, in verse 10, also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. In a physical illustration, real-time, literal moment, Jesus is teaching them that their, uh, their tools of career... Are now going to be utilized for spiritual well being and growth of his kingdom. The things you have been blessed to know thus far in your life, the wisdom you've been blessed to gain, whether it be sorrow or joy or both, you now are going to utilize that for the spiritual well being of the church. You've learned how to fish. Fish. Utilize that same commitment, that same dedication, and learn how to fish men for Christ. Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, in verse 11, they left everything and followed him. Those who came needed to help in order to have the nets filled. They had to come. They had to help to have the nets filled. To follow the Christ, they had to leave everything and follow. What if they just left everything but didn't follow? Well, we left everything. Some think repentance is simply to leave everything behind. And that is indeed That is indeed a necessity, but it's more than that. Now that you've left behind and you've stopped doing that, we have now to begin doing something good following Christ. Water, fish, nets, boats, whoever believes And is baptized shall be saved. Whoever does not believe shall be damned. The one who simply comes but does not help will not have the bounty of nourishment. The individual who believes will be one who is immersed into Christ. For the forgiveness of his or her sins. Peter. And the others. Chosen of course. By Christ. To be his entourage. The apostles. Who would be given. A great task. To accomplish. Are being taught. The purpose. That they've been called. Uh, In this life, to bring people to Jesus. To bring people to Jesus. We cannot bring people to Jesus if it's not about the Word of God, if it's not with Jesus as head of His church. Oh, we got this boat, but if Jesus ain't in this boat, this boat will sink, it'll drown. And sadly, we've seen some of those take place in our past. Deep water. Sometimes we have to do things a bit, uh, with a bit more time and precision and thought and and meditation. We have to trust what God says. The, again, wonderful encouragement of the East Coast Church of Christ is that we've had the time to learn these things and we continue to learn these things and we see the word of God in his assembly that he is in his boat it is his boat and that we are indeed going to deeper waters and we are seeing more fish and that makes sense to us. And that is true and real. It bl- it brings uh, this portion to its conclusion, Lord willing. We shall continue next Sunday with the following verses of this uh, 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 chapter. Of course, at all times, if you have concerns or questions or seek deeper study, you can come see us afterwards. It would be an honor and a privilege to share further thoughts and study on the portion of Scripture we have looked into this hour. Let's move forward
0: to a song. So just quickly, uh, I'd like to point out that, see, in this, this part that was uh, discussed was the first following of uh, Peter. And if we go to John 21, this is after Christ was put to death, we have almost the exact same story where... Peter's down, he's depressed, he goes out fishing, they catch nothing, and then the Christ comes and says, cast your net on the other side, and they caught fish. So it, it's it's so lovely how this whole book comes together and ties everything in. It's that at our deepest, our most sorrowful place, we can always return to God and he'll be there. So I always thought that was a uh, I like I love how it it intertwines and weaves itself into like it's just beautiful. All right, uh, so our final hymn will be number one hundred and eighty.